Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Trace Trelko here. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live, who wowed during UCF's Pro Day. We are talking about that. Someone really wants to tackle Dylan Gabriel and making sense of baseball start as conference play gets underway. It is underway right now in Tampa. Let's welcome in a son of UCF, Adam Sands Mike tonight. Greetings, Adam. Uh, thanks, Trace. Yeah, shout out to Mike. Mike's got some more important stuff to do tonight, so uh, uh, we're thinking of you, buddy. But uh, we'll hold it down for you here tonight. Pro day, Trace. Uh, always a big day when you see the underwear Olympics. So excited to uh, to break down all of the the cone drill, the shuttle drill. I think there was some sort of a high jump situation, uh, all of which you always use in football. So can't wait to break all that down with you. I am coming to you from the uh, Denver, Colorado Bureau out for a couple of days. Happy Easter to everyone. I was going to tell Mike, you know, I put in a full day of training today, and then I was going to remind him, of course, that it's uh, April Fool's Day. So ah. maybe I didn't put in a full day. You know, the altitude training. there, though, Trace, if you want to get in a couple of, what is it, 5280? I think that's the number there, right? If you want to get in some some altitude runs, I think Mike could be proud of you. Well, I'll see what I can do over the next couple of days. Uh, you mentioned the uh, pro day at UCF. A uh, couple of standouts and one Jacob Harris really wowing the Twitterverse today. Yeah, let me put, I got the chart here, Trace. We'll, we'll throw up. This is the official chart time. You see all the different, uh, um, uh, I guess, events, for lack of better words, or stations that the guys competed in. And yeah, Jacob Harris just jumps off the table. I think he, 
Uh, obviously, we knew he was big, right? So 6'5", 219, uh, that wingspan's pretty big, 40-inch uh, verts. And uh, there was a kind of a running thing, right? We had Jacob on the show at the Sons of UCF podcast. We had Trey on, and they had a little debate about who was going to run the fastest time. And uh, the money was on Jacob, but it turns out that was smart money. Uh, 4.38 40 time for Jacob. He was certainly a, a standout. His numbers just pop off the page when you look at it, uh, and especially in this view right here. Yeah, he really came in impressive. He put together a good pro day. How much stock do you put in pro day? But uh, you want to do better in it than not, of course. So certainly he had a good day. Aaron Robinson had a good day as well. Uh, his 40 time popping. Yeah, another one that I think he, you know, I saw Jim Nagy, who is the uh, director of the Senior Bowl, uh, said essentially Aaron Robinson will not last uh, past the first 50 picks, which is a which is a pretty good statement, obviously. Um, you know, the only thing you, you wonder about with him, and again, I'm not an NFL eva- uh, NFL evaluator, 5'11", uh, essentially as a, uh, from a, a size standpoint, um, you know, 186, is that is that durable enough to hold up in uh, the NFL season? A now 17-game NFL season uh, announced mm-hmm. this week by, by the league. Th- that'll be the unknown with him, but his measurables, again, just, just hop off the charts at you. He's a name that you've been hearing. Um, it's interesting. Richie Grant was more of sort of the, the buzz name you heard. And I don't think Richie did anything to hurt himself today, but I think Aaron Robinson definitely did some stuff to, to grab some headlines and, and grab some attention today. And maybe someone, let's not overanalyze Pro Day, but someone perhaps whose stock took a little bit of a ding today was Marlon Williams. It's interesting. I mean, let's let's look at Marlon's numbers here, right? I think if you look at these numbers, is there anything here that surprises you, though? I mean, we we he was never a burner. He was never a top speed guy. So to to run a, f- a five a four five nine, which was a ju- I think it was four six one initially, and now they've changed it to a four five nine. To run a four five isn't surprising. He was never a, a burner. If there's a number here that surprises me, I actually thought he would do more on the bench. Um, 14 reps at 225 was surprising. He's obviously a bigger guy. I thought he might do more at the bench. But, you know, he told Mike and I this year that he was trying to really lean up and he wanted to get to 205 by the time the pro day came around. They clocked him here at 209. So while I get that he doesn't have those eye-popping numbers and scouts may look at that and say, oh, my goodness, he didn't run a 4-3, did you expect him to? I mean, I think if you, you cut the tape on, you're going to see a, a guy who's going to be a possession receiver, is going to absorb contact, going to make plays for you. So I get he didn't run those numbers, but in the end, I, I if you want to look at the tape, I don't think that that hurt you. I don't think you saw anything from the pro day that we didn't see every game in Marlon Williams, and uh, we didn't. I didn't expect him to run top end speed. So for for me, while some may say that hurt him, I think it's exactly what you expected, and I think the film hopefully will show what Marlon can do from an NFL standpoint. Yeah, you mentioned that right there. Maybe the pro day doesn't wow, but he's got a a whole film uh, reel of spectacular plays for UCF. Whereas Trey Nixon, missing a lot of time because of injury, doesn't quite have that same volume. Uh, Trey Nixon, one of the people that was uh, uh, given to us as a media veil today, along with Jacob Harris, Aaron Robinson. And let's start off with Richie Grant. I had opportunity to ask him how UCF prepared him for his next step, a possible pro career in the NFL. Came in, you know, wide-eyed, you know, didn't know what, know what to expect. Just playing ball, all I know is to play ball, um, go to school, stuff like that. But you learn so much and you grow so much, especially me being, you know, a leader. Um, no matter what room I'm in, I'm considered a leader. So all the qualities of a leader, um, knowing how to deal with, you know, 100 personalities, knowing how to make a stand on what you believe in and uh, doing everything that you're supposed to do um, in the coach's eyes. 
but decision making, um, shoot, just leading the group. You know, I, I feel like everything I've been through at UCF is setting me up for you know one day I'm gonna be a father, uh, one day you know I'll be a husband. You know, I have kids. I can you know get old, get them some of those some of those uh, values and, and lessons that I learned here. Um, so basically, I'm just say I went from a from a boy to a young man. Uh, good to hear him. Boy, we're going to miss him in 2021, aren't we? This is so tough, Trace, because you look at these guys and do you realize how old we are? <laughs> like, I feel like it was just yesterday you were seeing some of these kids walk in and you, know, you especially, right? You're, you're in front of these guys um, through the media stuff and you see them as true freshmen, you know, fumbling over words, not not you know, not doing the best quote unquote interviews. And then you see them kind of mature and grow into men like this, where you're now talking to them and they're talking about stuff like that. Um, I think Richie did himself some, some, some good stuff. Again, Jim Nagy from the senior bowl said he heard rave reviews from scouts uh, about Richie Grant, particularly in the DB drills. So again, did he, did he have that number that jumped off the page at you? But uh, no, probably not. But I think he's the guy that he's been really consistent throughout. He's, he's been high on scouts list. I think he's going to be a, 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 a top, you know, two, three round pick this year. His, his name is out there. Um, and you hear that maturity right there. And you, you think if I'm a GM for an NFL team and I sit down with this kid and I ask him some questions, he's got that maturity and that perspective and he's got measurables and he's got, he's got tape and he's got speed. He's got size. Why would I not draft him? I, I you almost have to talk me out of it, especially if I, that was a position of need for my team. All 32 teams represented out there at the uh, Nicholson field house today for this evaluating 10 players. You talked about him on Monday, sons of UCF. Another one that we mentioned stood out, Jacob Harris. Uh, I asked him earlier, it's not the bite that we're going to use, but I asked him, is it possible that he could be in any better shape? And he, he laughed at that. He said that he could. Guy just looks ripped and ready, doesn't he? Uh, but one of the things that he alluded to, and it seems that it's come up in conversation that we'll hear from him, is that he is open uh, to playing the tight end position. You know, it's, it's kind of split right now, um, you know, <clears throat> as far as what I'll be used as at the next level. You know, I could be a wide receiver. I could be a tight end just because of my frame and my size. Um, you know, obviously, I'd have to put on, you know, a little bit more weight, but it's something that, you know, I've done in the past and I'm not opposed to. But, um, you know, I'm most likely going to be a special teams contributor, you know, early on, which, you know, I embrace that role. So I just think, you know, my biggest asset right now is my versatility. Um, you know, you can throw me anywhere. Um, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to embrace that role. Yeah, Mike and I kind of joking. He is open human... to playing the tight end position. <laughs> yeah, he's like he's like a human pterodactyl. I mean, you just you how does how did that get put together? Is what you ask yourself, right? Yeah. Um, and listen, the, the knock on Jacob, and I think he he know he knows this, and uh, it was it was called out. I saw today in a few posts is was his hands right? He had a couple of drops throughout his UCF career. Uh, today seemed like solid uh, solid catch radius from Jacob. No drops from what I think people reported. Um, but he might be one of those guys. He's a late bloomer. Everyone forgets he was not a natural football player. He was a soccer player. Uh, he actually went to school for soccer, changed his mind, left FGCU, decided to try the football route, literally just walked up to UCF's campus and was like, hey, I might be able to catch the football. What do you guys think? And and here he is, you know, four years later. Um, he's kind of got that, you know, Jeremy Shockey, um, you know, just one year of, of football kind of raw sort of vibe about him. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be that kind of player. I'm not going to I'm not saying he's that's his, you know, that's his apex, but he's got that potential. And with that size, with the speed, with the quickness, with the strength, 
somebody's going to draft him, Trey. Somebody is going to take a flyer on him in that in those later rounds, or he'll be a highly coveted undrafted free agent, and he'll 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 go on special teams, which he excelled at at UCF, and he'll probably make a few plays. And I, I, he he's a he's a guy that I really think may end up sort of being the steal of the draft from a UCF standpoint when it's all said and done. He may be the one guy that we look back in this draft and go. Who would have thought that Jacob Harris would be the the main guy? And that's not a knock on Jacob, but um, I think his measurables are going to definitely put him in a lot of conversations. And remember something about him that's reminiscent of Taco Fall. Taco Fall didn't start playing basketball until much later. Uh, and uh, Jacob Harris was a soccer player, which, of course, also explains that he's in peak physical condition. So, uh, you know, he adapted to the game of football. There were some moments, though, of course, where he would have some drops that would drive Night Nation crazy. Question that I asked on my Twitter at SignPez, how many former Knights do you think will be selected in April's NFL draft? 52% said three, 41% said four or more. So here on Thursday, April 1st edition of Sons of UCF Live, how many you got? 10 today at Pro Day. How many do you have being selected in the NFL draft? I'm going to go with at least four. So I'm going to go with at least four. I'm going to go with the three DBs for sure. I feel like, you know, Tay Gowan, the the defensive back position is so tough in the NFL. If you find a guy with some size, some strength, some speed, I think you're going to catch on. So I'm going to go three DBs. I'm going to go with a Rob, Richie Grant, and I'm going to go Tay Gowan. And then I'm going to go Jacob Harris. I think, I think a team will take a late round flyer on him just to lock him up before he hits the undrafted free agent market. Um, because he may just may be a unique prospect. So why not waste it? If you're a, I don't know, I'm, I'm just throw teams out here. I have no inside info. If you're a green Bay Packers, if you're a Kansas city chiefs, you've got a pretty veteran team and you've got a late round pick and you don't have a ton of needs. Why not take a flyer on this kid and see if he can't turn into something. So give me, give me four for sure. I think Marlon is going to be on that line. I think he's going to be. I think if you cut the tape on, you're going to see a kid who can compete. I think he, he, he will impress some GMs. Um, so he, he would be my sort of tweener at the fifth spot. So I'm going to go four for right now. At lonely B UCF went with four, Richie, a Rob Tay and Marlon. Of course, that comment came in before we saw what Jacob did today. I've got four. I'm not sure Marlon's going to make that cut. I think Jacob played his way in, but I won't be surprised if it's five and that'd be a pretty big number for UCF during the NFL draft. Yeah, if Mike were here, he'd ask you how many you know how many nights have ever been drafted in, in, in the most in the years, and I don't know the answer. I hope you don't either. By the way, um, I, yeah, I think four feels comfortable. Um, yeah, I think I think Trey worked worked his way in there, or uh, uh, Jacob worked his way in there. But Trey's got some speed. Marlon's got some some size. You know, you, you never know, man. I, you never know. I, I guess that's the thing with the NFL draft. All it takes is one. It takes one team to say this is the thing that we need. Um, but I think I feel like four is is a lock. Take Allen's the one that's really really interesting to me because, mm-hmm. like I said on the show this week, we didn't see a lot of him. Um, and as a cornerback, it's tough to evaluate that because he's not on film a ton. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Right? Does that mean they're not throwing to him because he's such a lockdown corner that they don't want to test him? Or you know, th- does the fact that there's not a lot of film hurt him? He only played the one season, had some junior college stuff. Seems pretty fast. Seems pretty quick. Seems pretty strong. Not a lot of tape on him. So he's the one that really intrigues me the most because I think he's. Well, he's got the talent, he's got the skill set, and he's got some of the measurables. He's an unknown. Uh, so Tay's going to be one that I'm really interested to see where, where he ends up falling um, in the draft. He's got the compelling backstory as well, opting out uh, because of COVID, out of family concerns. And that's something that I think 
is a part of the story that he'll tell uh, scouts and NFL teams. Interesting that it was more than just your regular characters in the uh, media Zoom with the players today. It had a bit of an international feel. Reporters from Brazil and Argentina hopping on. So uh, Night Nation, that brand, is a global brand with a lot of interest from reporters all over the world today during those Zooms for Pro Day. And let, let's just say that how, how great is it that there is a pro day? I mean, you know, the, the fact that obviously a lot of the stuff got canceled last year, a lot of guys lost opportunities. The, the fact that, that this was able to be put on today and there were people there. And yes, that's not your traditional NFL combine and that's not happening. I get all that. But it's just fantastic this, to see the Knights and kudos to UCF. I, and I don't know if this is a Mohajer thing, Trace, but I feel like over the last six to eight weeks, there has been a concerted effort to extend a, a better hand to the the varsity nights, the alumni nights. You saw a bunch of guys at practice. And then for Pro Day, you saw uh, special jerseys and shirts and hats and gloves and shorts were made. It was all over social media. I don't know if that's a Mahajer thing. I know that he has the, the, the phrase NLI till you die. And I know he's new here, but I thought that was a nice touch to welcome these guys back. Gus Malzahn was there who did not coach any of these guys. Uh, and I don't know if that's a Mahajer influence or not, but I think what UCF's done the last six to eight weeks to really embrace the alumni and some of the, the, the veteran guys who've left, I think it's been really cool. And today was a, just another great example of that. If, though, a missed opportunity, some fans, the diehards, of course, clamoring that it be simulcast. Live stream. Live. Yeah, live stream. Yeah. And uh, with as much work as they're doing broadcasting on ESPN Plus and with no competing home games in any of the sports on a Thursday, seemed like that was a missed opportunity. Fans already clamoring for a live stream of the uh, spring game. Uh, a little over a week from now, but UCF has not committed to that publicly yet. Spring camp, though, continuing amidst uh, pro day. You know, uh, we've had a couple of more practices, more than halfway, two-thirds of the way there. Spring game coming on Saturday, April 10th. Uh, and uh, some, you know, we're seeing more installation of the offense. Uh, you heard from Coach Malzahn. He speaks on Saturday to the media. Of course, the most important thing in these open practices is the opportunity for uh, high school students to come out and check out the Knights, uh, a good uh, opportunity for them and a good move by Coach Malzahn and his staff. I think we got a couple of plays to overanalyze. If you want to queue up one of those, Adam, and see what we've got. Uh, I'm not the best videographer in the world, but I do my best with my cell phone. What have you got? Oh, Trace, don't you don't you knock yourself here. I mean, this, if there's anything that we can overanalyze here, we will do that here at the Suns of UCF. I don't even know what this one is. We'll open it up here together. We'll all find out as a group here. Let's see what we got here. This seems to be one of those drills. Trace, I love this thing. I got to get one of these sticks with the ball on it because I feel like this is just where the future is going, the, the stick with the ball here. Um, I don't know who this player is, by the way. I'm not so sure what the uh, what the goalpost did to him here, but he seems to be really upset about it. Um, this one guy behind him seems to be holding his jersey. Not a lot of action in this shot. Can we get some more action next time? We get what we get out there, but this is as okay. close to any action that you could get. So that was where I was closest. And, okay. you know, I thought it was worth 10, 15 seconds up on Twitter. I think the other clip, though, may be a little bit more action, a little bit more exciting, right? Yeah, this, this one seems much more exciting, Trace. Let's see what we got here. Hold on. We're loading. We're loading here. There we go. We got some so we got some drills here. These are some – looks like some defensive backs perhaps there. I see number 39. I, I mean, this is wide receivers. I don't even know what we're doing here. We're running some sort of concept. I see some blocking. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Let's let's play that again, Trace, because there's just a lot going on here. We got, 
Got some combos here. I don't know. Where, where's the quarterback? Is there a quarterback here? I don't see one. No quarterbacks here. They're on the other field. Oh. Are they busy? They weren't doing a whole lot either. Yeah. Yeah, this remember, one got hugged. Yeah, yeah, this one got hugged the other guy. That seems cool. Remember, while we get to see more than we did under Coach Heupel, it isn't necessarily the case that we get to see much. So, you know, you get to you get to see a little more than calisthenics and warming up, but you don't get to see a whole lot. I mean, it's better than nothing, right? I mean, it gives us something to overanalyze. Um, Lonely Bumblebee, which I think is Mario, he wants a breakdown on the ball snapper guy. And that's a great question because you wonder, how, how do you get that job? When, when they line up the UCF crew before the practice and they're like, okay, you're going to – you stay with the DBs today. And who, Is there somebody who's like, and by the way, you're going to be the stick ball guy. You, you wonder if that's a – is that a coveted position? Is that not a coveted <laughs> position? Trace, these are the questions we need you to ask when you're back on practice fields. Find the, the ball stick guy and just ask him, like, did you – volunteer or is this the last job available so just so we can get some clarity from aria every once in a while you get with an earshot of some of these guys if i find myself close enough okay. to ask that question i will uh, saturday uh, open spring practice uh to the public in the bounce house that's practice number 12 friday's practice 11 next week monday 13 14 leading up to the big one uh the spring game which will be just a little bit more than a spring practice but not a whole lot more well, Trace, I think this is actually a good question. Maybe you you are there for many of these practices. Michael Casey too wants to know what difference are you seeing between this staff and the previous staff? So again, I know you only get 15, 20 minutes of time, but is there anything appreciable that you're seeing that says, wow, this is a big change from what you saw under the hypo regime? Nah, I mean, I, I would be inferring what players are saying about it being more organized and a lot of energy. You know, we've talked about no music being played, at least not the practices we were at. They're out there coaching the kids. It looks like, according to Coach Malzahn, you're seeing a lot of good enthusiasm. You're seeing buy-in from players. And, and with the change that have happened with coaching staffs, uh, that is the best message, I think, to come out of this spring camp. But no discernible difference, I would say. Uh, you know, not from the vantage that we have. We don't get to roam the field. We're cordoned off uh, and, and end, and, you know, you get what you can see. But good energy. I would concur with what the players are saying, and it's got a good vibe out there, even without all of the music blaring. Dylan Gabriel described it as more organized. Is that something that's visible to you and, and the rest of sort of your, your media brethren there, that it's a, maybe a more organized operation? Uh, other than that, you hear Coach Malzahn being more vocal. It's not something that I pick up on uh, clearly in the 20 minutes that we're in there. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take Dylan Gabriel's word on it. They're practicing more frequently than we get to see, uh, certainly. So, um, yeah, nothing nothing to my eye. Uh, again, just echoing that it's got good energy, and you, you can hear Coach Malzahn uh, over his, uh, his speaker. Uh, media opportunity midweek following the Wednesday practice. With a name we don't know a whole lot about, uh, Tennessee transfer, who's you know was caught up in all of that, right? He transfers in while most of the former UCF staff transfers to Tennessee. He being Brandon Johnson, uh, he talked about what playing with Dylan Gabriel has been like so far during spring camp. The DJ is awesome, man. And, uh, great spirit, a fun-loving dude, man. He's funny. And, I mean, it goes without saying, but he's a great quarterback, man. And, it was a great ball. He's a great leader. And I'm just excited to keep on going with it. I'm interested to see what he's going to do, a veteran presence uh, with UCF. You know, there's a lot of changeover in the wide receiver core. We've talked about all the guys in pro day, right? Marlon Williams, Trey Nixon, Jacob Harris. 
not going to be on the field with Dylan Gabriel in 2021. And we know Flash, we've talked to him recently, but I think he's a bit of a wild card in Brandon Johnson. Someday there's going to be a 30 for 30 on the Brandon Johnson, Cody Burns, uh, Mike Merritt sort of just triangle of what happened in that six week period, because it seems like they it was like a Kevin Bacon seven uh, degrees thing. But, you know, if you're if you're listening to the folks who are able to go to the, these uh, open practices on Saturdays and you follow these these folks on the on the Twitter sphere. Uh, Cost like advisor is one of my one of my go to's for for good analysis on these things. Um Brandon Johnson's name is a name that pops up all the time. Every spring practice that we've had that's been open, people have said that he's catching the ball really well. He runs really good routes. He's been reliable, dependable. Seems like if you chart these things, he's running with the one. So the sort of the first unit, um, sort of a veteran presence, which, you know, there's a lot of young, uh, maybe not young guys in terms of, of class that they're in, but in terms of, of time on field. And he's a name that keeps coming up, Trace. He may be, you know, that sort of security blanket, if you will, uh, if, if him and Dylan can continue to develop that rapport just based on, on you know, his his savvy as, as a veteran and, and running routes and, and making plays. But he's a name you've been hearing a lot about. So I'm really curious to see how he integrates into the offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what he can do, too. And again, brings a veteran presence. And, uh, you know, that may be something that Dylan Gabriel needs. But it's all about the chemistry, right, that he forms with these wide receivers. And, you know, he's got that connection with Jalen. And, uh, you know, Brandon's going to have to work himself into that chemistry with Dylan. But uh, he speaks highly of his teammates. And uh, UCF is the right fit for him uh, in this year so. Uh, we welcome him and look forward to seeing what he's going to do on the field. Another guy that I'm looking forward to seeing that we had opportunity to speak with on Wednesday was Trayvon Morris-Brash. He is a character. He knows how to work the microphone. And he was asked uh, a question, you know, you, these a lot of these pressers become predictable, you know, not only in the questions sometimes asked, certainly, uh, that follow a certain pattern, but you expect certain answers to come. And he was asked uh, what he would love to do and accomplish during the spring game, and uh, he, he drew some chuckles with his response. A thing, I mean, I know I can't, but a thing I want to do, I want to tackle Dylan Gabriel, but I know I can't. And in the last scrimmage, in the last scrimmage, like all the QBs were live but him. And I'm just like, oh, like, he needs to get hit, but that's my guy though. It's, it's all love, but that's that's one thing I, I want to do. But I know it'll it'll probably never happen at my time here, so I got to stop looking forward to that. <laughs> he needs to get hit. <laughs> Listen, I mean, Tremont shouldn't surprise him. I mean, this was the kid who pulled a hat out of the bag during the, you know, the high school All-American game. And I think he declared that he was going to the best school in Florida. So I think we kind of knew he had a personality, um, but we hadn't seen a bunch of it on the field. This may be a shocker to some. So um, with, uh, with respect to my guy, J.P. Gilbert, every year I've got the Marlon Williams uh, Breakout Player of the Year Award that I hand out. Um, this could be the guy that really has that year right here. Somebody I, I was, I heard, I, I saw somebody tweeting out or, or mentioning that, you know, he had mentioned and Trace was probably in this interview. Maybe you can confirm that he had came, he came into camp a little heavy last year. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we heard from Chris Deloche when we had Deloche on the show is that, that him specifically Christopher Deloche and that Tremont Morris Brash was in the same boat. Neither of those guys thought we were playing last year. So they weren't maybe taking care of themselves as well as they thought they should have. They were kind of preoccupied. And I think Traymond kind of alluded to the fact that he basically spent all of last season getting himself into shape uh, just to play football. And by the time he did that, the season was over. So I think he's a guy that 
if he can put it all together this year, we saw flashes. I think his best game at UCF was probably that Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, if he can get back to that form um, with a maybe a more attacking style defense, I also like that he mentioned, and I've been I've been kind of harping on this one for a while. He mentioned having a, a specific coach for his position. So usually the D line coach is one person for the tackles and the ends. UCF has split that responsibility this year. There's now an end slash rush coach. And Tremont mentioned how much he's really enjoyed having somebody specifically talking technique with him, talking things that are specific to that role. So, JP Gilbert, just forewarning, we may go Tremont Moore's brash for our Marlon Williams Breakout Player of the Year award. You talked about coming into camp more than he wanted to weigh. He came in 280, dropped yeah. 30 pounds to get down to 250. And he's not the only guy that has talked about this, as you mentioned. And remember, the contrast that they are all talking very high about the new strength and conditioning coach, Chris Dawson. So a more fit team with, uh, you know, a full spring camp under their belt, uh, that could be a difference maker. But remember, all teams were impacted uh, a great deal by COVID in 2020. Some had all of their spring camp wiped out. UCF got a little in in 2020, but, you know, between the nutrition and the available weight room equipment and free weights and, and the like. It's not the same as the uh, the regimen that they have when they are on campus. So certainly sending players back home when you look at it in the rearview mirror impacted a lot of players. Uh, we heard it from Kalia Davis, too, opting out. You know, the last meaningful game he played in, you mentioned there, the Gasparilla Bowl. So think about what it takes not to be in shape, but to be in football shape. Uh, and these guys have been raving about being pushed hard in the weight room. So that's something that, uh, you know, could be a big difference maker uh, during the 2021 season. Yeah, every player every year says they're in the best shape of their life, right? I mean, it's like it's the, the usual mantra. Um, but I think these guys, I, I just like how serious they're taking it, right? And, and I don't want to. This isn't going to. Uh, this isn't meant to be accusational in that respect, but it just seems like there's a better uh, aura of just of of seriousness this year, of just uh, just understanding kind of what what they have to do, and and the guys are more bought in. And I'm not saying that's a knock on previous coaching staffs, and, and maybe it's a little bit about the change, a bit about where we are as a team, and the things that I've all gone through. But I think Traymond's a great example of it, basically saying, "Hey, I was." I was not where I wanted to be last year. I dropped 30 pounds, and and by looking at that at that video, it looks like he's kept it off. He looks he looks like he's in great shape. It looks like he probably, hopefully, he does not hit Dylan Gabriel because if he does, it could be a problem. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it seems like these guys are buying in and and they're doing what they need to do. Um, and not that they were complacent last year, but if they were, you could you could understand it. And uh, it, if we're gonna be if we're gonna be stout on defense, Trace, Mike and I talked about this in the show this week. We did charge on, charge off. Uh, we had 26 sacks as a team last year. And I asked Mike, charge on, charge off. We're going to have more than that. If we're going to go charge on, I think Mike and I both did on this one, Traymon Morris-Brash has to be somebody who gets seven, eight, ten sacks this year if we're going to be able to approach that number. You know, and we've seen things, heard things, and have uh, inferred things about a little bit of shade on the former staff. Maybe, though, when you're putting a contrast of Josh Heupel and some of the members of his staff with the staff and with Coach Malzahn, just the respect factor that they have for a Coach Malzahn and maybe being away from the game and, and packed it as they were during the 2020 season, maybe there is a greater attention to detail, maybe a greater respect for the game and the coaches that we will see. They certainly are saying all of the right things during spring camp, and it continues on now the last week, uh, open practice Saturday, 
couple more practices during the week, and then the spring game. So more to analyze over the week ahead. I guess one question to be thinking about is what questions uh, have you had answered perhaps during spring? Uh, be something to think of going into the spring game that we can talk about next week. Um, you know, shifting gears now uh, to uh, uh, volleyball. Volleyball wins the uh, East, and uh, they are now in the conference tourney. Uh, they swept the cows, which is always good. Baseball going on now. UCF with a 3-2 lead over the cows. Top of the eighth in Tampa. So some more on I-4 points up for grabs. UCF plays Tulane, who they played earlier in the season. Games that didn't matter in conference play, but did, of course, go towards UCF's overall record of 14-1. and And it's a condensed field for the NCAA tournament this year. Something head coach Todd Dash and I talked about. The winner in the AAC conference tournament being held in Cincinnati Friday, Saturday, that may be the only bid the AAC gets. The AAC, because there's only 16 at-large bids, AAC is probably on the outside looking in. And I think that's a disgrace, but that's the way it's going to be. Um, because um, you're going to see the more entitled programs who really didn't play anybody but themselves, you're going to see the bids get doled out that way, just because that's the way it is in Olympic sports. So we're going in it with the mindset that we have to win this championship to go on to the NCAA tournament. No pressure there. Uh, UCF and Tulane, 2 o'clock Friday. Following that, Temple and Houston. Houston won the West. Could be a showdown, perhaps, uh, between uh, UCF, maybe Houston on Saturday. But interesting, isn't it, with a pared down field preference for, even though they don't call it the Power Five in volleyball, but there's certainly preference to those sorts of schools from those brand name conferences an American, perhaps UCF, lose one game, you don't make it. That'd be a tough pill to swallow on what has been a pretty good season for the Knights. If I could stand right now, I guess I could stand right now, Trace. It would be awkward, though, because there would just be some <laughs> visuals no one wants to see here. But More if I could stand, I would stand up for, for Coach Dagenet right here because he said the thing that we all always think, right? He said the thing we want our coaches to say, and which was essentially, this is, this is nonsense. We have a really good team. We have a good conference. We're competitive. We deserve the exact same chance, but they're going to give it to the Blue Bloods because that's what they do all the time. Yeah. And we all always say that, and we want our coaches to say that. And because they're too damn professional, professional and they're they're too smart and they know that it's it's a you know it's it's probably going to hurt their team more than help their team they don't say that so i, I applaud um coach Dagenet for for coming out there and saying hey this is what's going to happen it's not right it's what's going to happen and my team we, we're just going to deal with what we can control which is winning the conference tournament and getting into and getting into the tournament overall um so i applaud him for just that I guess that that overall fresh take, if you will, and that just that perspective of of saying we have a job, we have a mission, we know what our our margin for error is here, and it's zero, and we're just gonna go win the whole thing. And and by God, I hope they do it right because I think that would be a fantastic story. Um, it's it's a it's it's a crime that that team isn't ranked higher than they are. Um, you know, they, they've had a bunch of good matches. They've won a bunch of tough matches, and the AAC is a tough conference. And it's it's a it's a shame that because they don't have the brand name of some of these other conferences that you don't get the same recognition or looks that you should. And remember, their only loss is in a hastily scheduled match in Tallahassee against Florida State. They were up two nothing, lost three two. That only came to be in the last moments there that they scheduled that after another match was uh, dashed because of COVID. So while it would have been nice to have won that, it is their only blemish. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, they have a good chance of 
uh, winning the match with uh, Tulane, and, and then we'll see. They uh, haven't played Houston this year. So we'll see what happens. Uh, good luck to uh, the Volleyball Knights, and they're going to need McKenna Melville and, as well, Offensive Player of the Week, Anne-Marie Watson. They play their game, uh, and they're going to come out of that with a win. Now, uh, this is probably the biggest disappointment of the spring is UCF baseball, trying to make sense of them. Uh, they uh, they fell to 10 and 14 in what was a lackluster, lackadaisical performance Tuesday. A loss to Jacksonville uh, at UCF, but Jacksonville's like six and 15 now, uh, and and they beat UCF pretty handily. Uh, again, UCF now in Tampa, up on the cows, 3-2. Greg Lovelady, head coach Greg Lovelady, usually uh, very talkative in his post-game media sessions was pretty direct, very short in his responses following Tuesday's loss. Let's listen to him. Yeah, I mean, the same thing we tell him all, all the time. You know, tomorrow um, isn't promised. Yesterday has no bearing on what we do today. Uh, we just got to find ways to continue to get better, coach and better, um, and play better. <laughs> all right. We, we've got to pitch better. we got to hit better. we got to field better. we just got to be better. And, what was the uh, question? I don't even know. What was he responding to? And I don't even know. What do they got to do to be better? What do they got to do go. to get this thing turned around? You'd have liked to have been at least 500, 12 and 12 going into league play. Of course, what they've done up till now doesn't matter now that league play starts. They've got four in Tampa. That's the way the conference schedule is going to be set up. It's going to be four games. And so they've got the three, two here, bottom of the eighth over the cows in Tampa. They have a doubleheader on uh, Friday, and then they play uh, a single game on Saturday. We're going to talk a little bit more now about the Knights, their early season struggles. Let's welcome in a former member of the UCF baseball team. He'll uh, be, uh, you remember him, uh, left-hand pitcher from 2013 to 2016. Harry Hukari joins us. Harry, good to see you on the Sons of UCF Live. Thanks, Trace and Adam. Uh, pleasure to be here. Thanks for inviting me on. Before I ask what the hell is going on, because that's my opening question, okay, and you're going to break that down for us, just talk about your tenure with the Knights. It's been five years since you've been with the uh, with, with the team. Does it seem like yesterday? Yeah, it still does. Every time I go back, even with uh, the renovations they did over at uh, John Riana Park, getting the uh, the entire club level set up, um, still brings back memories, uh, you know. Wish I could still do it, but, uh, you know, still love to follow the team and stay as engaged as possible. Well, following them, what have you seen so far? They're struggling. They're 10 and 14. They've got the 3-2 lead here, bottom of the eighth in Tampa. But there have been some struggles, right? They have struggled to, to put uh, runs in uh, with runners in scoring position. They strike out a heck of a lot. Too early to panic, or should we be concerned? You know, I, I, I haven't got to watch as much as I would like to, but I have paid attention and followed. And, and you know, ironically speaking, kind of looking at even the stats from last year, the hitting-wise, they're actually, in a lot of areas, performing better. Um, higher on base percentage, higher slug percentage. So they're doing more damage. I mean, um, so it's kind of ironic that, you know, we look to panic at the the numbers. But, um, you know, the, the big thing is, man, baseball is a very tough game. And, uh, you know, and it's a very mental game. And when sometimes when things don't go well, um, you know, mentally people start to press. And it's like they kind of go on that road of like, oh, here we go again. And I think that's happens a lot with younger guys. And there's a lot of really young, talented guys on this team, you know, that I watch. And I think I kind of see a little bit um, and I can definitely relate to that. Harry, the Knights have lost a bunch of like, like tough, heartbreaking, you know, late, uh, late inning games. 
what do you attribute that to? Is that just inexperience? Is that just, just guys learn to play together? Or is that just kind of the, the luck of the draw? It's just random baseball sometimes happens that way. It's it's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, I think it's I have the numbers here. It's two and seven this year in one run games. Uh, first and foremost, I think it just shows you how much, you know, they miss Jeff Hackinson. I mean, he is he was as good as I've seen. Um, I think he's a big leaguer. Um, honestly, he's, he's that good. Um, you know, so you miss him. You miss, you know, a guy like Trevor Holloway, who was a big, uh, you know, big piece of that rotation. But um, those late one-run games, I think you contribute a lot of it to, to Jeff not being there. Um, I think some of it's inexperience. Some of it's also randomization. And um, things, weird things can happen in baseball. We all know that. Um, it, but, you know, Going forward, a lot of times those one-run games do even out. So if they even out in conference play, that's obviously ideal because that puts you in a great position to hopefully really make a strong run here in the second half. You talk about the mental game. That seems to be so important. Some guys, they'll go through a slump or they won't be able to get an out. When you face some adversity, how did you work through it? <sighs> it's, it's a tough question because everyone's different. For me personally, um, I try to get in a routine. Um, preparation builds confidence you know um i went through ruts a lot of them in my career um finding like with strike zone or random things kind of happening and you know it's really tough when you're out there to to mentally get through that um because you kind of go like down the road of like oh here we go again like dealing with this it's you know it's frustrating uh and you get a little tentative like you get a little tighter muscles kind of get tighter and it makes it harder for you to focus and just to go out there and attack with your best um and, and you know, getting in a prep, you know, preparing, getting in a routine and just like building that confidence of like, Hey, I know I'm good. I'm not going to let these things keep happening. I'm not going to let this snowball out of control. And a lot of times like that one or those one or two really good outings will turn everything around. And it's all of a sudden like you go on a, a crazy run where you, you throw 20, 20 innings, get one run. So, you know, you, you hope that for the guys going to conference play with a lot of these really talented arms that we have, uh, and even with a lot of these talented guys in the lineup, even though, you know, it seems like collectively they're still hitting very well, but um, you know, getting these talented guys in that in that swing and getting getting hot um, kind of work out a lot of those problems. We've talked a lot about obviously conference play coming up. How how different is conference play from sort of non conference play? Is is you you may know the teams better. Obviously, there's more rivalries. There, there's a little bit more juice. Is, is there a difference from from the level of play and the level of response as a team when you when you sort of start playing that conference schedule? Absolutely. Um, you know, it, it, year to year it changes. Uh, I can remember, you know, back in 2015, um, the year that year, our conference was incredibly good um, that year. And uh, I think we were like the number three RPI conference that year. And, you know, so every team was deep. I mean, UConn had guys, Houston had guys, uh, East Carolina, USF was good. I mean, down the, down the board. I mean, everyone could play. Um, so you're getting everyone's best too. Everyone's best best arms because a lot of times for us we didn't play a lot of those like really highly touted weekend series uh early in the year we played a lot of teams from up north so you would get a lot of really good arms and everyone's best shot um in conference so it's definitely a different dynamic um you know i think what i've seen with love lady is that they do a lot of good non-conference scheduling uh you know going to old miss going to auburn um getting those teams you know back here you know at ucf as well um, you know, getting a lot of those really good weekend series does prepare you, but conference, there's definitely <clears throat> dynamic to it because you're playing for a ring, you're playing for a trophy. Because of COVID, the scheduling for the uh, league games is four game series. So 
UCF's playing uh, the rivals tonight, and then a doubleheader tomorrow, and then the single game Saturday moved up uh, a day because of Easter on Sunday. What do you make of a four-game conference uh, series, and what does it take to come out of there with a split or three wins, uh, you know, on a four-game series? <laughs> the, the easy answer is um, having, having depth on the mound. Um, you can, you know, if you can run out four starters, they can give you at least five. Um, you know, it's a huge, huge advantage. I mean, if you have three starters, they can give you six or seven. Um, that's also a huge advantage. You can kind of piece together one of the other games. Um, that it's definitely, it's definitely different. I mean, I, you know, we didn't have that when I was, you know, obviously playing, we were, we were Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or on like an Easter weekend, we were Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So, um, I think the biggest thing you're going to see is, is that, uh, from the offensive standpoint, you want to get in their bullpen early. Um, if you can get that Friday night guy out early, it really sets you up for the weekend to, to go out there and, and to see a lot of their uh, lower arms in the total pole. Um, whereas, you know, from UCF standpoint, obviously Colton, I looked at, I was looking at the, watching the game here, um, you know, that sixth inning, he came back out with 92 pitches and got through that inning. That was huge, you know, get an extra inning. Um, one inning less that the bullpen has to worry about tonight because you got two tomorrow uh, and you got one on Saturday. So, you're looking to to really get those ride your starters as long as possible so you can save your arms. And then from an offense standpoint, getting in that bullpen early sets you up to get those three or four wins in a weekend. Harry, tell us a little bit about Coach Lovelady. We, we played the clip as you were coming on with him, sounding definitely a little frustrated. Um, you know, what, what kind of coach would you describe? Is he is he a motivator? Is he somebody who obviously the team isn't playing as as well as maybe we all expected? You know, what kind, what kind of response or what did you see from him when you were there in terms of how he would sort of handle the team in, in moments like this? So actually, I never played for Lovelady. Um, he came in the year after I graduated. Um, from what I've heard, uh, he's, a, he's a great coach, um, you know, really does well getting the guys up, getting ready to go, getting ready to play. Um, so I can't really relate to to internally um, versus, you know, what because I was obviously the different coach. But um, from what I've heard, he, he does a great job. You mentioned Colton Gordon earlier. How good is this guy? When you can throw three pitches for strikes and, you know, you're 89, 93 um, from the left side and you can you can attack and you're confident in your stuff, um, you can win a lot of games at the college level, um, you know, especially in going on to the next level after that. But um, kind of reminds me a little bit of Eric Skoglin, um in terms of just the, the pitch ability, the mix. It's, it's, it's pretty similar. And, you know, he's, a, he's an impressive guy and, um, you know, he's had a lot of success and he deserves it. If, uh, if Coach Lovelady called you and asked you to come in and talk to the team, sort of give them a pep talk and and talk through what, what you think they need to do to sort of uh, right the ship, if you will, for the rest of the season, what kind of advice would you give those guys? I mean, I think the biggest thing is just trusting trusting who they are, trusting their talent. A lot of these guys are a lot more talented than, than I you know than I am. So you know, I've seen seeing a lot of these really impressive arms um, you know on the mound and. Just letting them, just telling them to be the same guy each day. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. Um, each it's a pro, it's a journey. You know, you're going through a process, um, and when things are not going well, it's just like be, knowing who you are, knowing that you have you have really good stuff, or you know, you you're an elite player um, on a, on a really good team, and you've had success before. So it's just kind of getting back to that you know success and that comfort zone of where you were when you were successful. Um, if you can mentally put yourself in that position each day, even if you aren't there physically and the results aren't showing, uh, I'm confident from my experiences that it usually evens out. What led you to choosing UCF? What was that process like? 
so you know i was a kind of a late late bloomer in terms of just kind of becoming a pitcher i was actually a hitter a lot of through high school although i pitched a good amount um kind of developed uh and started to throw throw pretty well from the left side uh and started going to camps and, and getting looks on the travel circuit and um you know connected with jeff palumbo who was now actually i think at ecu still with uh, with cliff godwin he was also at uc at the time um and, and they told me that they wanted to come see me and and uh you know, went through for them and um and coach rooney and, and really threw really well and, and made an instant connection with with coach rooney and, and the coaching staff lombo and godwin although they left right before i got to school so um but you know that was a big part of it, it was just the you could I think that's why recruiting is so important is because if you can build a connection with, with your guys um, and get the guys that you, you know, you want on your team, uh, whether it's, you know, if you're looking from an elite talent standpoint or just getting certain characteristics that you look for in guys, uh, it's a huge advantage. So, you know, Rooney and Palumbo and Godwin really sold me on UCF and, and, you know, there were, there were other options, but um, I don't regret the choice at all. I, I love my time at UCF. I believe black and gold. I tell everyone that ever asked me, about UCF, I was like, go there, go there, go there. Um, it, it's it's a great place to be. It really is. What do uh, I guess? How, how do you think people view UCF from a baseball standpoint? Obviously, you know there there's some tough schools in Florida. Um, you know, as you travel around, and you tell people you went to UCF. What, what's the what do you what do people say to you? Where, where do you think people sort of think about UCF from a baseball standpoint? Well, a lot of times since 2017, you get the, you know, people like to give you the national championship. <laughs> Just, you know, hey, you're building a brand. You know, I tell them, hey, right. you know, I, I always talk about building a brand and what we, you know, what you now everyone knows about UCF. So um, from a baseball standpoint, um, you know, I was on the team in 12. I was a freshman in 12. And that team was obviously incredible. I mean, 40, I think won 45 games in the regular season or, or 45 games that year. And or three games from Omaha. Um, so some people kind of do remember that a little bit because that's Stony Brook run. When you talk to people that are familiar with baseball, because that was pretty crazy. I mean, that team was phenomenal. Um, so the, I, mean, I think the big thing with the newer group is that you'd see a lot of football just kind of jabs. Um, but it's become a brand. And I think that's why, you know, a lot of people are excited about it and you're getting a lot of people interested in the campus what in and that's across all sports not just baseball so um you know it's it's it's, a, it's just a great place and uh you know i think people know that when they they take their visits and go see it or they go to camps or um you know they drop in while they're on a you know at a travel tournament somewhere in orlando so i always tell people to go visit and look at it because it's a it's a great campus as we wrap up your assessment of the Knights now. Conference play underway in Tampa. They've got that slate ahead of them. It's a new season, a fresh start. You put all that behind you. You hope that you'll learn from it. What do they need to do to come out on top in the AAC? Yeah, I mean, from kind of look at the numbers, uh, it looks like the American kind of across the board has had a has had a rough start other than East Carolina. So I think it's a situation where you really got to go on a run. If you want to make the postseason, kind of plug out a win conference or just have a really, really good, strong finish going into the conference tournament. Um, I'd say the big things are is your, your depth is going to be challenged from a pitching standpoint. So um, hopefully guys that are, you know, these talented guys that have hadn't had the results they've wanted so far step, you know, can are able to you know find their confidence and really go on that run. Um, you need Colton to continue doing what he's doing. Um, you need uh, you need the offense to keep just kind of putting up runs, putting up, you know, 
focused, staying focused on their, you know, day-to-day tasks, getting in those bullpens early uh, and often in the, on the weekend. Um, and then just, you know, flip the, flip the script, script on the one run, one run games. You're two and seven right now with one run games. If you can flip that, you know, and get to 500 at the end of the year, think, you know, if you're seven and two and one run games on the back end, um, you're going to put yourself in a very good position to hopefully control your own destiny. Um, but you just got to go out there and do it one pitch at a time, one day at a time, um, and don't leave anything out on the field. Since fans last saw you, what have you been up to? I've uh, I worked in sports for a while with the Rays. Um, COVID COVID things happen, and now I'm actually working for Stryker. So I'm uh, I'm in medical, um, but I'm still highly engaged with UCF sports, everything across the board, and still make it out the games uh, when I can, hoping to catch some um, probably next weekend. I think is it Houston next weekend that's in town? I think they're still on the road at Cincinnati. Uh, at Cincinnati, okay. Up. Houston I think is the next weekend. Or yeah. Next- yeah, so that next home series, I'll probably make it out. And I'll probably, you know, I think Coach Rooney's still at Houston as well. And I'll reach out to him just to connect with him as well because he obviously gave me the opportunity at UCF. And I can't uh, thank him enough for that. Well, you'll find him at Harry Hikari 33 on Twitter. Harry, we appreciate you stopping by the Sons of UCF. Why don't we catch up with you maybe halfway through the conference slate and see if they listen to all your good advice tonight. <laughs> uh, thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Go Knights. All right, Harry Hikari. All right, so 3-2, UCF, bottom of the eighth, two outs. David Litchfield pitching for the Knights. A war on I-4 points up for grabs, and you'd like to get the victory over your rival, of course, and start things out and not waste a uh, strong Colton Gordon start uh, in Tampa. Yeah, and obviously the war on I-4, we are uh, we have a, a 30-15 lead right now. So, uh, what, three more points or something? I don't know what the, the point here is, Trace, but uh, three, I think, I think it's three. It's three, points, three points each game. So, with a four-game yeah, so series, that's 12 yeah. points up for grabs. So, there's some collateral on the line here. So, I definitely, you know, and and, and Harry kind of touched on it. The, the randomness of baseball is just so... Uh, so varied that you you can't think about it, right? And and if if they can w- win these uh, one run games, I, I think that that's that's the key right now. And, and do they have the veteran leadership? Do they have the pitching? Uh, you know, weird things like Florida State are going to happen. It's 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 unique to baseball, I suppose. But if they can just figure out a way to control what they can control and, and pull those games out, um, and hopefully no better time to start that than against the Cowboys. Yeah, when you're playing a four-game series, you're going to need your bullpen, and um, they're going to need it over these four games for sure. So we're going to see the depth in that bullpen and if they can get the outs. So uh, uh, we will see. Uh, Major League Baseball starting today. Two nights uh, make their uh, starts this season in uh, MLB. Dylan Moore remains with the Seattle Mariners, and my Chicago Cubs pitcher Danny Winkler Cubs lose to the Pirates today, though, so they don't start off the season strong. But two nights in Major League Baseball. Softball has just ended a road game at Tulsa. They dropped that one 5-1. to one. This comes after the four-game sweep of Houston uh, to open up AAC play. Knights 24-7 and seven now, uh, so uh, their first loss in AAC play. Ranked 24th, 22nd, depends on which poll you're looking at. There are a lot of polls in softball. Uh, Jada Cody, she's been on a tear. She's the D1 softball player of the week. Up next, uh, they remain at Tulsa. They've got, they're doing the four-game series as well. So they've got the doubleheader Friday and then the single game Saturday. Everything moved up a day because Easter on Sunday. So 
hopefully they turn that around. It has been a good start to the season, at least for softball, though they dropped that one in Tulsa. So Knights get out of the eighth. They go to the top of the ninth, leading the Cows 3-2. Not sure this one's going to end while we're still on, but uh, you'll be able to catch the end of it after us on uh, on Plus. So uh, I on my flight here, got in the uh, latest episode of the Sons of UCF, number 126, one of the bracket uh, nominees, Devin Bush. You know, that's his name. While I know the play, it's not a player that I knew much about. I'll tell you his story right off the top about making a highlight tape and driving that VHS tape up to Orlando, <laughs> letting the coaches watch it and while he and his dad waited and then saying, yeah, we like you. We want you to come here. That sounds like a 1990, late 1990s story, maybe not a 2021 story. Yeah, I mean, so spoiler alert to those who are out there. There was football before 2017 and 2013. <laughs> and I just find it funny because today when you think about highlight tapes, I even asked him, I said, when you said you make a tape, today that's like you throw a huddle film on the internet, you put it on YouTube, it's up in four minutes and you're good to go. <laughs> and you literally are splicing VHS together. And he talked about how he had a – you know, a student at, at his at his school put it together. Uh, but, you know, I, I, that's the beauty of, of being involved with UCF and how much, you know, Mike and I love doing the show is that there are so many people along the way that have laid the foundation for UCF. Names that you know, names that you have jerseys for, like I have behind me here. But there are so many guys who have been a part of the program who who had contributions. You know, maybe it's one game, maybe it's one play. Um, it, it's cool when you catch up with with somebody like with like David who can you know kind of share that experience and what that was like. I, he played for G McDowell, and again, he's probably best known for for this play right here, Trace. So I'll, I'll play it for you now. This is from. Um, this is from Mike's um, just fantastic effort around uh, the the greatest place in music of history. You see his interception. He says he's in bounds here, by the way. Um, I don't know if I buy that, but uh, he, he says he's in bounds there. Uh, and he read the play the entire time, which, um, you know, the, this is the story of how he, he talked about, hey, I, I knew what the quarterback was doing. I kind of played a little bit of jockeying with him at the line of scrimmage. And, I, you know, I kind of baited him into it a little bit. Um, those are the cool stories that you see, man. And and while David didn't have necessarily that the career that gets you a jersey hanging behind somebody in a wall here, uh, that one play, you know, it's it's twenty years ago, Trace, and it's one play. And your point, it's it's one player who maybe wasn't the most well known name, and he made it to the Sweet Sixteen with that play. And there's a lot of plays in UCF history, and to get that far, um, again, just shows you how much some of these guys who. Yeah, they didn't. They didn't have the maybe the, the illustrious career of some others, but everybody who was here before these guys has laid a brick someplace, and uh, and and David Bush is no exception. If he doesn't make that play, maybe the outcome of that game and all sorts of other things hypothetically change, right? For, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously that, that play is the, uh, one of the bigger plays in that game. It's funny. We had three plays from that game in Mike's bracket. Uh, so we had the kick from Javier Berlegi, the Darren Henshaw, uh, helmet popping off touchdown, uh, and, and the Bush INT, they all made it to, to the sweet 16. Uh, and that's a seminal game in UCF history. And, uh, if you're a night fan, even if you're kind of a newer night fan, uh, that that's one of those games that, you know, if you went there, you remember where you were, Trace, you remember where you were, you were there, right? Like, so I was everybody there. Rem- Everybody remembers if you went to school in that time where you were when you heard that we beat Bama. 
Um, and so that's, that's just one of those moments. And one of the cool things about being a part of a school like UCF that's young like this is you get to remember those things, right? You know, Florida's biggest win was what, 1867? Like no one's alive from that now. So being a part of like a young program like this um, is, is actually really cool. And to, to get to talk to guys who are part of things like that um, is even better. Well, go, Coach Malzahn spoke uh, at the media availability Saturday that uh, earlier in the week he had met uh, UCF's first head football coach. I don't think you can say that at Michigan or Penn State <laughs> or any other number of schools, right? That you could meet and talk with UCF's first head football coach goes to show you just how young the program is. But uh, the interview with David Bush, I, I really enjoyed. I think in large part because he's not a guy I knew a whole lot about. Right. Yeah. So some guys, you know, a lot about you've heard a lot about, uh, but I found him to be very interesting. Check that out. Number 126, wherever you get your downloadable content. And as you mentioned, the brackets, final four, about what I would expect out of the final four. Yeah, Nelson, actually, we got some questions here. I'll go with one from Nelson. Uh, asked if we're happy with the final four. Uh, he would replace uh, Bortles to Godfrey with the kick. Otherwise, he thinks it's fantastic. The only two seed that broke in there was the Hale Perryman. Um, but other than that, it's the plays that you would expect. And, and you know, I think it's Mike Hughes' uh, tournament to lose. Uh, I think the J.J. Wharton catch is, is certainly on his heels. But I, I think it's probably Mike Hughes' to lose. Um and I, you can't argue with that, right? I mean, you just can't argue with, with that play. But I think overall, you, you got what you expected. I think if it's, there's one thing that, to answer your question, Nelson, am I happy with the Final Four? I think it's what you thought. I think the thing I like the most, Trace, and, and you you know, you know have the same sort of uh, lean with this, is a lot of the quote-unquote older plays you saw advancing in this tournament, which I thought was really cool that there are, there are some people who remember some of those things and uh, sort of the nod to history. I thought that was great that I thought Franco Grillo was going to get just smashed in the first round but he wins uh you know and so uh while bobby joe plain didn't necessarily have the same fate with the first ever td in ucf history uh, i do think it's cool that some of these older uh quote-unquote older plays uh were able to survive for such a long time yeah you know what for uh older fans uh, nelson shout out to nelson uh the uh, it's a trip down memory lane uh to to look back at plays that maybe you haven't seen as much as yeah. more recent ones. And I think for a lot of fans that discovered the Knights from 2017 to the present, it's been an opportunity to appreciate, you know, there have been great moments in the past too. There have been successful teams, that 2013 team, other teams. Uh, you know, one of the things she talked about with David was uh, it should have been a bowl team uh, yeah. in the late 90s. That's what yeah, should have yeah, happened. Yeah, yep. uh, you know, that should have been a bowl year. Uh, and uh, it, it makes us appreciate that while the program may not be very old, there have been great moments. And uh, I thank Mike for that. Mike uh, poured himself yes. into this. Uh, there have been a lot of brackets. You know, it's March now, April madness, and there's all sorts of things. Mike and I, not quite on the winning side of, a, uh, uh, of another bracket uh, competition going on this week. Uh, but it's all in good fun. Now, how Mike tops this? I'm not quite sure. I know he wants he to get a couple yeah, of Mike will be, uh, 2021 yeah. plays in there, but even if a couple of 2021 plays uh, rival, uh, I don't know how, maybe just shaking up the brackets because, you know, we get used to seeing Kentucky and Duke and North Carolina and we still tune into March Madness. So, uh, you know, maybe shaking up the brackets and changing up the mix of plays uh, might give us an opportunity to, to see a different bracket a year from now. But great work by Mike.
I've known Mike for 15, uh, 18 years now. He's one and done. He's he's Kentucky basketball. He's he's going to be one and done on this one. There is no doubt. This is an interesting question from Michael Casey. Probably not one we have time to answer tonight, Trace. Maybe we, we owe him an answer next week. Most underrated player in UCF history. Great question, Michael. I don't know that I could come up with that in less than 30 seconds here uh, because there's probably so many options on that too. But that's a that's a really good question uh, mm. to, to ponder for a future show. That that is a really good one. If we're playing recency bias, right, and it was a participant in Pro Day, not one uh, name we talked about. I just always have thought I'm very fond of Otis Anderson, just in all of the different ways he's contributed. You know, I don't think he's going to be a future UCF Hall of Famer, but he's the kind of guy that uh, did so many things good for UCF. Whether that falls into the category of underrated, just off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But I like that question. Maybe we'll toss that out. Uh, Lonely Bumblebee with Jeff Godfrey. Uh, he's an interesting name. Where are we at on that? Uh, do we have the efforting? Is, efforting. efforting. My uh, the 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 name that came to mind when when I saw Michael's question um, with very little information to think about was Joshua Reese. Hmm. I don't know why he had. I feel like he had a lot of big catches. He was just one of those guys who blocked downfield. That was the name that came to mind. But we will uh, we will certainly ponder that. And uh, the God so Godfrey's still efforting that. To be fair to Jeff Godfrey, I still have. I can I can throw this up. Did I get rid of it? I think I I, I may still have. The, have you seen me? Yeah, there it is on the on the top right corner of your screen. Um, he was on episode twenty one of the Suns UCF, which none of you can hear now. But don't worry, we're working on that. Uh, so Jeff was more than courteous with his time. If you want to go in the wayback machine and hit some Sons of UCF history, Godfrey was our first ever player interview. So. Uh, if there's one thing, uh, hopefully Mike and I have done well over our time, Trace, has interviewed some players, and uh, Jeff Godfrey was the first ever. So you will win a uh, maybe a cocktail from a friend uh, at the Suns UCF Trivia Contest. Not that that's happening, but if it did, kudos to you. I would have liked to have heard Michael Casey's answer on that provocative question. He's pulling the UCF mic card of asking a question, but not providing an answer. He might so, still be listening. We can we can filibuster for a second and see if we can get Michael Casey to get back in the chat here and give us an answer. Um, so the four yes, plays. Did, well, hold on, hold on. He's in. And that's a good answer, by the way. Michael Alex, Hay- Alex Haynes is a really good answer, Michael Casey. I don't know who Mike, Mike, uh, Mike's not here, but if Mike was here, he'd give you a hat, Michael Casey, too. So uh, we will, we'll see if we can work that out. That's actually a really good answer. Alex Haynes, probably one of my favorite players. And if for whatever reason I ever end up in jail, it'll be because I've stalked Alex Haynes so many times to get him on the show and he's never responded that there's probably some form of a restraining order coming my way because uh, I'd love to have him on the show. He was one of my favorite players, number four for UCF, just a hard runner. Uh, we've never been able to, to secure him. Uh, and Lonely Bumblebee is in on that answer as well. So Alex Haynes, uh, Adam, restraining order probably coming soon. And because he keeps a low profile, his legend only grows. (laughs) (laughs) Alex Haynes, wherever you are. All right, we will sign off. I'll mention it's top of the ninth, UCF leading the Cows 3-2. You can catch the end of that on ESPN+. Watch at UCF Mike 1 for the latest brackets. Uh, the final four plays, it, it may seem complete that we know who's going to win, but you can't be for sure as Adam scrolls across some of the news and notes from the other sports. Senior night for men's soccer Friday, big volleyball matches, uh, a match for UCF Friday in this conference tournament. We want to thank Harry Hakari for joining us to talk a little use baseball. Hopefully they get a win when he has joined us. And I got to do some training out here. We got that 5K right around the corner 
uh, Jan and Britt and I, Jan, by, Jan and Britt, by the way, deserve to win the other uh, bracket, the Twitter Mafia bracket. So we are all behind Jan and Britt. And a big shout out to them. And uh, we wish uh, Mike well. We hope to see him and you back here as we uh, get ready for the spring game. And, and maybe we'll ask uh, Michael's uh, provocative question during the week on Twitter and see what other answers come to mind. So uh, for Adam, Trace Trelko here, go Knights. Charge on. Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.